All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Knoxville, still standing time. For now, time. Indian summertime, so at least it's warm time. Whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Got the full crew in the house on a Thursday morning. Of course, it might not be Thursday morning when you're listening to this. It might be Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, Saturday morning perhaps even on your way to the game. Happy travels if so. Safe travels. Uh, guys, Tennessee football. We talked a lot about the BYU game in our uh, Monday morning podcast. I don't think we need to revisit that too much, but uh, still everything not so great for the Vols right now. I think it's fair to say. Still own two, unfortunate. And you are what your record says you are, according okay. to who said that? Was that uh, Mike Ditka, maybe? So, no. no, Bill Parcells, right? Bill Parcells, there you go. Mike Ditka. That's right. Well, I was looking at the Bears hat that Ramey's wearing in the Fort yeah. Rucker studio. No, right don't, don't, don't blame it on the Bears. Don't try to explain it off. You were wrong. You messed up. I did mess up, but I'm also saying why I messed up. Another great. If Bill you don't know why you messed up, you can't correct another it. Another great Bill Parcells quote. This is a good metaphor for what's going on with Tennessee right now. If you don't know what you did wrong, it. you don't know how to fix it. Vols are still 0-2. Should be, should be. A win on Saturday, hosting the uh, NCAA Division One FCS Chattanooga Mocs at Neyland Stadium, noon on SEC Network, which is about the network and the time that game probably should be played. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Mocs in the second segment. First off, though, big news, uh, big, big news for Tennessee. On Wednesday afternoon, it was revealed that sophomore cornerback Bryce Thompson is back with the team to practice. Now, we don't know what that means in terms of Will he play Saturday? We, we don't know that. Jeremy Pruitt has not said that. But, fellas, uh, those who are saying, when's Bryce Thompson going to be back at, with the program? Well, now he is. Yeah, and uh, he, he was at practice on Wednesday uh, afternoon. I'd only watched for a couple minutes, and he looked pretty normal to me. Um, so, and, and But, you know, Jeremy Pruitt after practice saying that they need to kind of build him up and um, that he kind of saying that he needs football, um, which is interesting. And, um, he had a statement earlier uh, in the afternoon. Let me pull it up. Not prepared. Uh, talking about the the university is taking this situation very seriously, and and the Pruitt believes that Thompson can grow by following the plan that the university has put in place for him. This is not a Pruitt decision. This is not just him making this decision. But um, but yeah, it looks like Tennessee's going to be getting one of their better players back sooner rather than later. I I kind of sounds like he's not going to play against Chattanooga, uh, but it, he very well could be back on the field against Florida. It kind of sounds like to me that's just sort of me uh, reading the tea leaves. Yeah, I think what, what's important to note here, and, and I, I I did mention this on social media. I believe I mentioned it on the board, on the checkerboard at GoVols247.com as well. If not, I should have. That's my responsibility and my mistake, again, as Ramey would point out. But, but I do think that here's the important thing to note here. Tennessee is no longer an institution where King football gets whatever it wants. We've seen this time and time again. Uh, in recent years, and, and I think in, in the aftermath of – we're talking just a couple years removed from Tennessee's nasty Title IX lawsuit, which say what you will about that whole situation, whether that should have been a legal matter, whatever, that's 
not what we're debating here. What, what I'm saying here is that in the aftermath of that and some of the allegations that came out in that situation, uh, I think if there was any way that Tennessee believed that Bryce Thompson was a legitimate threat to the students on the campus, I do not think he would have been welcomed back. Uh, this is not something where Jeremy Pruitt and Philip Fulmer can walk in a room like uh, football coaches and athletic directors used to be able to do everywhere and still can do at some places uh, and, and just walk in and say, well, we need him back, so he's going to be back. This isn't one of those situations. Tennessee has not been one of those institutions for a while now. Tennessee's ivory tower has uh, told the athletic department no on several issues in, in recent years. So my opinion here, not knowing everything about this situation, uh, knowing some things, not, not everything, but some things, is that if there was a legitimate issue here, I do not think, or legitimately large issue, I do not think he would have been back. Yeah, but you bring up that lawsuit. That lawsuit was years ago. I think the entire regime, it's been what from three top years? to the bottom, from top to the bottom, has has changed just about chancellor. Uh, but but there are, that was still a pretty nasty black eye for the university and and in the culture that we're in now. Let's call it what it is. We're we're in the the Me Too era. We're in an era where a lot of things are being looked at that that hadn't been looked at before, whether you think that should or should not be the case. Uh, we're not debating that. What I'm saying here is that it's a fact that those things matter more than they used to. And in this environment now, uh, I think the university would be very, very, very careful in making this decision, and it had nothing to do with just being Pruitt and Fulmer wanting him back. Yeah, yeah and but you, know, you, you have to evaluate each case on its own, and you have to evaluate Bryce Thompson independently of the other situations. And so I think that's sure. probably what Tennessee's done in this process. Yeah, but as, as Jeremy Pruitt said, you know, he didn't make this decision on his own. He and Jeremy Pruitt probably didn't make, or he and Philip Fulmer didn't make the decision. <laughs> just talking to that. himself. Yeah, no, he and Philip Fulmer probably didn't make the decision with just the two of them. So that yeah, clearly they they must have felt some reasonable amount of confidence that there's no you know threat to other students and things like that for them to to reinstate him to to practice and he's been going to class all along jeremy pruitt said he's he's been in class he just hadn't been practicing and he said he needs to start practicing again to be ready for you know whenever he can play again whenever that might be and you have to assume there's confidence that this will end well for him yeah because if you bring him back to practice one week and he's kicked out of the program two weeks later to the right. school whatever that's going to make you look pretty stupid. I, I was going to say this, this. That would be a certain misstep for them to take. Yeah, this strikes you as a a sign that they believe that legal matter will be resolved, and and maybe fairly soon. We'll see about that. But they clearly think that not much is going to come of that. I think to to be taking this step to begin with. And, and, and Pruitt was pressed kind of after practice about kind of what's the plan for him, and he's not going to go into those details because of privacy reasons or well, you know, the stuff he cited. I think you also can't say. Well, we right. plan to get him back in next week when he hasn't gone right. to court or right. whatever. You know, you so can, and you can get yourself in trouble for saying too much. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and he was asked if he's going to play Saturday against Chattanooga, and he said he hasn't practiced in three weeks. You need to practice before you can play. He didn't say he's not playing. He didn't say he is playing. He left it open for interpretation. Mm -hmm. Which yeah, which to me means that maybe uh, the plan is to not play him unless necessary. But uh, if, let's say a cornerback goes down. Let's say Chattanooga has like a 13 to 10 lead in the third quarter. Uh, I, I think there's a chance that maybe you could see him out there. I don't think that – I think if he had definitely known that the kid wasn't going to play, I think he probably would have said that. Can't say that for sure because this is a guy who, again, did not want to mention which coaches were going to be in the press box and which ones were going to be in, in the field going into a game against Georgia State. So he's not going to be someone who just reveals things to do it. But I think in this specific case, I don't think that would have been a wise thing to do. Uh, 
Uh, I think if if he absolutely knew the kid wasn't playing, I think he might have said that. And that's that was the most interesting part to me. Is I, I thought when he was asked about his status, I thought he might not say a whole lot, but he might say, well, he's not going to play this week, and then kind of leave it at that. Um, so for him to not even rule that out, you know, this is... We're, we're, know, that that might have been a, a Pruitt way of saying he's not going to play. It might have been, yeah. <laughs> Hard to say. We, we're recording this before Wednesday night's vol calls, by the way, so he may say something on vol calls that, you know, it, say, states more specifically that he won't play. It's Saturday. like when Pruitt says a guy's got a concussion. Say, oh, he's dinged up. Right. He got, he, what, what does he say? He got, he got his, his bell, bell wrong. Yes, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's the Pruittism for a concussion. And so maybe... Yep. Maybe saying, well, he hasn't practiced, so he can't, you know, he's he hasn't in, practiced, we need to build him up. Maybe that's Pruitt's way of saying he's not going to play. He's in bell ringing protocol. I think that what we need to discuss here, too, the fact that whether he comes back this week or not, I, I think that's, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant, but the bottom line is, will he be okay to play against Florida? Which, that will still be before his next court appearance. And I got to think that Tennessee would not even have him back practicing if Tennessee thought some really bad news was coming at that court appearance. I think they probably feel like that will offer some resolution to the matter, you know, for, for publicly. Yeah. yeah and, and I, I think everyone understands or should understand that, that Jeremy Pruitt, Phil Fulmer and the people that are involved in this decision making have a lot more information than the four of us do. Yeah. And a lot of people do. Um, and, you don't know and, what and that I, go, and that you don't goes. Know what I know or don't know. You're right, but that that goes back, and, and I think that applies to um, even back to when they decided to to take Thompson. Um, you know, when 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 they first signed him. So, whatever situation, there's obviously been that report of a restraining order that was in South Carolina before he enrolled at Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee I, I, they knew about that, right? I mean, they they. Had, I feel they had they I, had they had done their due diligence on him at that point. That that did not they were not aware of that when that was reported. Whenever it was reported, and that's so, something, and, and that's, that's, that's something we didn't know at the time. But I think now we've the people in this room here have done enough reporting on this to know that Tennessee feels like they had a a pretty good handle on that situation yes. and what was true and what wasn't with that when they took him, which is important. To yeah, know. That, that was my point. Yes, and and that they know they know more about probably this situation and. and the ins and outs of it than, than we do and that most of the public knows at this point, and that's why they're, I guess they feel confident making this decision right now or, or on Wednesday. And I think now uh, you, you can't sit there and say, you know, how much of a difference would he have made in the first two games because the fact is he didn't play. And, and Tennessee, with the players they had available, should have won both of those games anyway. Uh, and we've said this before, if they played against BYU the way they played against Georgia State, that's not a close game. And if they make just – any one of about 10 really simple decisions to do the right thing during the BYU game and do very simple, very basic football things, they win that game as well. So uh, I don't think pinning that on any one player who wasn't there or a couple of players who weren't there, I don't think that's something that, that people should do. But uh, I do think it's fair to say that the second he gets back on the field, uh, Tennessee is a better football team. Uh, I think that's fair to say. And, and I think my point here is that Tennessee, it could be a domino effect because – getting him back potentially frees up someone else like a maybe a Schamberger to get more reps at safety or to give him another option there because it, it's not just Tennessee's corners who have had some some breakdowns in the first couple of games. Tennessee's safety play has been pretty bad, aside from maybe Theo Jackson in the BYU game. I think he played a pretty good game. But uh, Nigel Warrior is almost – 
getting he's almost like he's been let off the hook by how poorly Jared Garantano has played on offense because I think when you look at the free safety you know the free safety and the Mike linebacker are kind of the quarterbacks of the defense and Nigel Warrior is making mistakes that a fourth year player third year starter should not be making and has has made some some absolutely boneheaded mistakes that have cost Tennessee it's not just him but they need help there. It's not just corner. They need help throughout the secondary. And Bailey Buchanan not being available, say what you will about him, I think that hurts him uh, because he's another guy who could play any spot on the back end if you needed him to. I think Bryce Thompson coming back frees them up to maybe do some personnel tweaks that maybe give them more options on the back end. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know about Schoenberger to safety. I mean, he's been locked into that star position for, for a minute. I, it it kind of sounds like, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that, but – uh, when, whenever Thompson comes back, whether it's Florida, whether it's Chattanooga, whether it's even after the open date, I, I would think all three of those guys at corner are going to play. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Thompson, Alante Taylor, Warren Burrell, uh, Pruitt has some pretty nice things to say about Burrell, even though Burrell gave up some passes and mm-hmm. has given up some completions on him in the first two games Said he's been one of their better players on defense, which is interesting. I don't know if he is saying that to be serious or if he's saying that to kind of keep the guys confidence up. Sure. Um, certainly, you know, your first two games as a freshman cornerback, you can expect to get picked on a little bit. You wonder where his confidence is. Maybe Pruitt's just kind of publicly grandstanding to, to help his guy feel, feel better about himself. But, uh, I mean, maybe they move one of those guys inside to the star spot. I, I don't know. I don't know uh, if, if any of those three guys. Those are probably three of their better cover guys. So I don't know if you want to put them back in safety. Um, but I'm interested to see, you know, can Theo Jackson kind of put a couple games together? You mentioned him playing well against BYU. Uh, he he got the starting nod over Trayvon Flowers because Trayvon Flowers had a bunch of mistakes. Uh, Jackson and, made some plays in space and, against BYU and, too, which has always and, been his problem. And Flowers didn't make you know didn't make uh, uh, you know didn't make some plays against Georgia State, and I think he may even got might have even got pulled in that game. So uh, and, he, and you mentioned did. Warrior too. I mean Warrior's kind of gotten I don't want to say gotten off scot free, but everyone talks about Alante Taylor being at fault. Well, if if not, Warrior tackles the BYU receiver at the forty five yard line, Tennessee still might win that game. So. Uh, and he's not had some some moments where he's covered himself in glory either. But uh, certainly, I mean, for Tennessee, getting Thompson back, I mean, he's one of your best players. Uh, he's a guy that you can maybe trust to lock down the other side of the field. They'll they'll want him out there against some of these SEC wide receivers they're going to play. So um, whatever, whenever they get him back, and, and at this point it feels like it's just a matter of, of which game is he going to be back in. Um, Am I wrong there? No, and so and so you know that's you know whenever they get him back, I think that will be a big boost. Will that solve everything for the defense? I don't know about that. I still think there's a lot of inexperience, particularly in front seven, uh, and they got to figure out you know when is Daniel Petuli going to get back in the equation too. Uh, so, but but getting Thompson back will will certainly help a defense that from week one to week two looked vastly different. I think we can all agree, even though they didn't. Correct. Even though they kind of blew the game at the end and then had a really disappointing couple of series in overtime, I think they should take a lot of positives from the way they played against BYU, and they need to kind of build up that consistency as they get into SEC play. I want yeah. to see what he looks like when he gets out there, whenever it is. Like, does he just step right in and, and kind of be the, the freshman All-American that he was last season? Does it take a couple of games for him to get back to being what he was? Uh, kind of how has he handled this whole – this pretty big ordeal uh, over the last month yeah, for him to try to get through? It is, because it's one thing to sit there at the time and say whatever you think about his actions – uh, what he did or didn't do, that that's obviously a very serious issue and the most serious issue there. Uh, but the secondary issue there is is what kind of impact it does have on him because this is someone who is, again, 19, 20 years old and, and who is going through, uh, especially if, if this is proven that he really didn't do anything that seriously wrong, 
then, you know, that's a really tough thing to go through, to, to be in the spotlight like that, to, to be kind of exposed like that, to see some of the things that have been said about him out there publicly by people. That, wonder what, yeah, I wonder what people who see you on campus are thinking as they walk yes, past you. Yes, yes. People are, do, do people on campus look at you as someone who's maybe a threat to the campus or, or something like that? Because, hey, that's the, that's the guy who said that the, the, the report said he, he had said he was going to shoot up the school. Like, well, oh, no. Like, you know, that, that, that can be a tough thing for anybody to go through, not just a football player, just as a human being. So, and he might need football as the you know, welcome distraction of all that. Very, very possible. Uh, anything else, guys, on that secondary before we, we move on here? I think there's some – it's worth noting there, though, that I, I do think that Bryce Thompson being back, even if he – even if it takes him a few weeks to being back to his true self or it takes a month or whatever it takes, uh, just him being back out there, even if not 100%, I think makes them a better defense instantly. Uh, I, I think he's – I'm not saying that he's, you know, Deion Sanders or somebody like that out there, but I think he's a good football player, and I think he's someone who helps them a lot. Yeah, and, and like I said, I don't, I don't know, you know, having him out there is not going to help them be immediately a whole lot better on the defensive line necessarily. I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to, you know, only allow 50 yards a game on the ground or whatever, but um, certainly it's, you know, you look at Tennessee's defense with him versus without him, it's hard to make an argument that they're better without him than they would be with him just because that, that's the kind of player he can be. And, Grant, you made a, a good point where – Thank uh, you, and, and, and Pruitt, you're welcome. And Pruitt even kind of suggested this back in the preseason when there was a lot of the Warren Burrell hype is that, you know, Thompson and Taylor were good last year, but, you know, they need to step it up. And, and certainly, you know, especially in this, Taylor's case, Thompson was pretty darn good. Yeah, Thompson was pretty good last year. And so if he maintains that, I think uh, that automatically makes him better. And if he can continue to sort of take the next step um, for, for his own individual improvement, that'll that'll certainly make them better too. If, if, uh, if this coaching staff can look at, one side of the field or one matchup and say, we like it there because Bryce Thompson's out there. He'll, he'll lock down the side of the field or whatever. Then they can get more aggressive with their pressures and, and do some different things that they might want to do otherwise that they couldn't do without him. And I think regardless of what goes on with Bryce Thompson, the fact is Alante Taylor needs to, needs to play better. Uh, he's a guy who uh, we all know how talented this kid is. Uh, if you're talking just physically in terms of his size, his athleticism, uh, he's – Really, really, you know, he, he's aces across the board athletically for that position in terms of size-wise, his, his athletic ability, what we've seen him do at times in practice. This is a potentially special football player who is struggling to put things together mentally, and, and that's something that at the corner position, you know, you've got to be mentally a rock. And, and he certainly, uh, if, we're, if we're to believe Jeremy Pruitt anyways, he, he kind of, you know, tightened up a little bit after he made that big mistake, and then they go into overtime – and they burn him for an inside slant for a touchdown on a play that they'd run all night in a play that Tennessee's staff had spent hours and hours during the week going over. So that is a concern, and regardless what happens with Bryce Thompson, they do need Alante Taylor to play better because when you're in Tennessee's situation, you need to get the absolute maximum out of your guys who are talented enough to do that. Your guys who can be difference makers have to be difference makers because yep. you don't have as many of those players as Alabama, Georgia, Florida. You don't even have as many of those players right now as like Kentucky does. But let's call that what it is. That's kind of been Tennessee's problem for years, really, um, You know, with the exception of 2015 and 2016. This, this team hasn't had, this program hasn't had enough difference-making players, and some of, sometimes those, you know, five stars, former four stars, even guys who played well at the college level haven't been consistent enough in doing it. So, yeah, that's that's one of the issues this team is, has at times. I think they've got to get the most out of their talent. You need guys like Alante Taylor to, to step forward and be your best players. 
We're going to step away for just a second. We're going to step away and pay some bills, come back uh, first, enjoy some uh, enjoy some products, services, all those sorts of things, in-house ads, uh, get you a sip of, uh, get you an ice-cold sip of water. We'll be back in just one second, guys. Hashtag ad. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by uh, whatever products and services and, and ads you just heard just a second ago. Uh, no longer a full crew in the house of Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey has given a, uh, I think what we can all refer to, uh, colloquially speaking, a half-assed performance that he has given on this podcast, and he had to go step away and uh, and take care of some stuff, and he's done that, and he is gone, and now he's just is, not a team player is the he, bottom line. We've said this several times. At the end of every podcast episode, we have to mention that Ramey won't put 24-7 in his, in his handle for, for social media. You know, he just leaves podcasts whenever he wants to. I, I think that we, at some point, when performance reviews come up, we're going to have to mention this team player stuff. The whole time he was here, he, he, he just gave off this aura that he was better than, than this yeah, situation. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that, listen, everyone, we wouldn't, you wouldn't be on this staff if you didn't have talent, okay? We understand that. But you don't just walk into, like, an NFL locker room you know, and, and just start acting like you're better than everybody unless you're like Tom Brady. When did Tom you play Brady. in the NFL, Wes? I just know I've, I've covered, I've been in there, been in those locker rooms, and you don't just walk in like that, strutting around like you're the man unless you want to really go out there and be the man. And, and Grant, if you're going to act like this, I'm going to tell you straight up, you know, you're going to have to be not just a, a good player, you're going to have to be an all-star. You've covered NFL games? Uh, He's covered it all, Ryan. Training camps and stuff. NFL, FCS. Yes. High school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Outdoors. MLB, yes. Outdoors, yes. Uh, that did was, you ever cover high school wrestling? Because I did once. I uh, believe I have. Not uh, the Chattanooga paper back in the day, but... Thank not, you for one-upping me and, and, again. And speaking of, speaking, of, uh, speaking of Chattanooga, this is the, uh, this is, this is the, uh, the, the West Rucker Bowl this week. Yeah. This is the, the, my entire, most of my professional career has spent uh, covering these two programs at Tennessee uh, and Chattanooga that are going to be playing each other on Saturday at Neyland Stadium. I bet I know more about Chattanooga right now than you do, though. Oh. I think that's very likely, actually, because you had to do what the, uh, you had to do the, the thing over the summer about... It's true. I got to pull up right now. And this has been a program uh, that, bottom line, is not the same program it was when I covered it. When I covered it, it was um, it was pretty bad because you know wherever I go, there's bad football. And they have really taken things up a notch. I know that they no longer have uh, Russ Huseman, the coach. He went back to Richmond. He was the guy who kind of turned that entire program actually around. Actually, they're second on their second coach since. Yeah. Then, so actually. so they they started building that thing up. And now things are a little bit different. This is te- a team that's still ranked in the in the t- top twenty five of the FCS, uh, but it's not maybe quite what it was. But uh, a couple years ago, 
but this is still a team that's going to go out there and, and give Tennessee maybe a pretty decent game for a while. No, stop. <laughs> Come on. Patrick's not buying that. Well, I mean, Georgia State beat this team, Patrick. Uh, well, we so, didn't so, mention that. So every time they play a Sun Belt team or a MAC team or an FCS team, it's going to be like, well, they should blow this team out. But then again, they lost to Georgia State that one time. I guess that's how it's going to well, be. No, I mean, you they got, haven't had a chance to redeem that game that's, yet. That's, well, they haven't had a chance to redeem it yet, well, have they? To be, fair, to be fair, that's the, the bed that Tennessee has made, and now they got to lie in it. Well, to be fair, too, you got to go back to last year. They didn't blow out Chad uh, Charlotte. They didn't blow out UTEP. And those aren't FCS teams, but they weren't good teams. UTEP's either. pretty bad. Yeah. And so. <laughs> Was pre- UTEP was pretty pretty so, darn bad. So you have a team that's you know won five of its last fourteen games and they've struggled to put away much of anybody. So it's I mean it's a fair point for the foreseeable future. No, I, I they don't need to take it for granted. Is right. what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, but I mean yeah, I mean this team you know, all with all due respect to Chattanooga, they aren't better than UTEP. Charlotte was way better than both of those teams. Charlotte was Charlotte was good. Yeah, a borderline bowl team, uh, and played App State pretty tough this past weekend. So. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, they shouldn't have any trouble with this game, but, you know, we didn't think they'd have any trouble with, uh, with, um, Georgia State. Georgia State either. So, but, you know, Chattanooga, I think they beat Eastern Illinois in their first game. Second game, they were hanging with Jacksonville State, which is, re- which is a good FCS program awesome. for yes. about three quarters. And then, uh, Jack State put that game away with a couple touchdowns in, in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, that was, that was a one score game with 10 minutes left. Yeah. So, I mean, but, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you, you have to be at the point now where you will, just do whatever you whatever it takes to get a win. You need to get a win. Everybody thought you'd be 2-0 at this point. You're 0-2. You need something to feel good about before you go to Florida. And so go out there and handle your business. And I do think we, we – I think it's fair to note that regardless of how much Tennessee has struggled, if you're an FCS team and you're not, say, like that, you know, App State team a few years ago, or if you're not like North Dakota State, which has just been – which is scored lots of upsets of, of FBS teams in recent years. Uh, you're, you're, you're a lower level. You have fewer scholarships. You don't have the same size. You don't have the same kind of players. If you do have players that are the size of Tennessee's, it's probably because they're not quite as fast or, or, or maybe they're guys who got in trouble somewhere else or maybe they're guys who transferred down for playing time. Uh, there are lots of issues there, but this Chattanooga team is a competent football team. This is a ranked FCS team, and this is a game that if you're Tennessee um, – I would hope that they would have learned their lesson from Georgia State. And if anything good comes from that game, it will be that as long as the rest of anyone who was on the roster when Tennessee played Georgia State for the rest of their college career will probably not walk into any game ever again and think it's over before it starts. Not to go all fact checker here, but Chattanooga is not ranked. I thought they were ranked in the in the they week. They lost to Jacksonville State, so maybe, maybe they were before. Not even getting votes in the coaches' poll. Look at the other poll. Look at the other poll. Fact check. What is the other poll? I don't know. You fact check me twice now. Go back and look it up. You fact checker. Go back and look it up. They're they're receiving votes in one of those polls. I know they are. I know they are. Wes dropping all sorts of fake news in here. What is what is this? They had gotten 15 votes in the FCS stats dot stats FCS poll. I'm guessing you are responsible somehow for all 15 of those votes. <laughs> so they're an RV. They're an RV. They're they're they're, at, they're nearly at the end of the RV list. But 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 nonetheless, so it's a, still on the list. So it's a but, middle but of the road not, FCS team. But they're not ranked. They are a probably. They're probably not going to be in the playoffs in the FCS. So the SoCon. Well, that's a little. That's a little. That's a little rude to say. Yeah. So so early in the season. Well, the SoCon has. Um, well, let's go see how many SoCon teams are in this in this ranking. Yeah, I mean, go look that up. Go ch- go go take that for data. <laughs> take that. Go go look that up. Uh, let's see. Is Kennesaw State in the SoCon? They're not, are they? No. Um, Furman's in it. Furman just played Georgia State. Fear Pretty the purple. Tough. Yeah. Wofford's ranked. 
mm-hmm. Elon's ranked. Is Elon still in the, in the SoCon? I think they might have bailed. I don't know my SoCon very well. Neither does, neither does Wes because he's looking it up. But regardless, yeah, I think... You were just it, calling me out left and right you, in this podcast if you, today. If you, <laughs> Do you feel like with Grant with Grant out of the building now, you have to step up your, your troll game? Is that yes. what's happening? I mean, that's fair. Yes, uh, I have to... Yes, uh, that's exactly what I have to do. But no, I mean... The this, SoCon is Mercer, Chattanooga, ETSU, Furman, VMI, Wofford, Samford, the Citadel, and Western Carolina. That is the SoCon as presently constructed. So Elon... The Fighting Phoenix, uh, formerly known as the Fri- Fighting Christians, they are uh, they are no longer they are no longer in the SoCon. So Mercer's getting more votes than than the mocks. Um, Mer- Mercer's but, done some good things lately. But no, I mean, I, I think the point remains is is and and this is going to sound like what I said going into the Georgia State game, but this game should be about Tennessee more than it's about Chattanooga. It's more about the opponent. If you're Tennessee, you need to go out and uh, and do what you need to do. Um, you need your quarterback to come out there and play a clean game, not miss throws, not throw interceptions, not throw the ball into triple coverage a bunch, see the field, do all those things. You need your offensive line to uh, to win on, on the line of scrimmage. You need your defensive line, your front seven, to uh, to make plays and, and not give up big plays. And, uh, and and really, for Tennessee's defense, they need to force some turnovers. They have one in two games. That's, that's probably keeping Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ainsley up at night. That's what they live on. That's what they want this defense to And they only forced built on. 15 all last season, and so, so this, this is a trend. Uh, that, that's there's some things you're you're going to be hoping to see if you're Tennessee in this game, and I think probably the biggest one defensively is turnovers, and and you should be able to generate some uh, against an FCS opponent, and and if you're uh, if you're Tennessee's offense, you need to find some more continuity. You need I think you know play with a little bit more consistency. We've seen this offense move the ball uh, and do some things like that, but then they have a bad play and they get off track and they you know they just kind of shoot themselves in the foot. So if you, you want to go see a game where you handle your business and you play like you're supposed to play. And, and you get a win because they don't have one yet and they need one. Th- there were some positives from that BYU game and and that that's I know that's easy to say when when Why don't you let Ryan talk? Ryan hasn't talked in a minute because we've just been blustering. That's number 4. I'm keep I'm keeping track of uh... I, Hey, I said I said we. I said we. I, I was including me in this too. I I was just going to say I I think don't you think Tennessee has to approach this game a little bit differently, though, after Georgia State? I mean, I, we can sit here yes. and say they need to just work on – it needs to be more about themselves, but I don't think Tennessee can afford to take anyone that way after Georgia State. I think you've got to look at this game like we just got to do whatever necessary to get the win, and it doesn't matter. If we don't get to play our backups as much as we'd like, so be it. Just focus more on Chattanooga. Don't think about Florida. Like, I, I think what happened against Georgia State changes the way you approach these games for a while. I think, I, I I, I think everyone who was on the roster – it will impact throughout the rest of their football career yeah. how often they they take a team for granted. Uh, but I think it is fair to say there were some things that were a lot better than that BYU game. Tennessee's pass rush was better than it has been in a while, and BYU's offensive line is not bad. So I, I think that we need to say, hey, you know, a guy like Latrell Bumpus goes up there and gets two sacks. Greg Emerson, you know, forces a guy to bounds behind the line of scrimmage and, and is credited with a sack. Uh, Daryl Taylor got in there and got a sack, got another hurry or two. Tennessee, you know, Coveris Crouch got, you know, two or three quarterback hurries in that game. Uh, Tennessee's pass rush was in that game was good enough to create some turnovers. Uh, now it didn't, and I think you have to ask yourself, why are they not – um, you know, when they get the quarterback on the ground, are they not poking at the ball? Are they not hitting him hard enough? Are, 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 they not, um, are they not doing enough when they get there? Are they not arriving violently enough to, to make a play on the ball and separate somebody? Or uh, is the, the secondary just not in position to go back there and make a pick? There was one that I believe Volante Taylor got his hands on uh, and didn't catch in that game. And I wonder with Warrior if, if how much that 
that call in the first game, that that pretty bad pass interference call, that's the kind of thing that kind of that can kind of stick with you for a little bit because that probably shouldn't have been called and it was. And you know, you talk about getting the yips. That is possible there. I mean, he's a guy who um, likes to hit and something's clearly amiss with him right now. So they need to get better play from him. But I think in general, if if we're sitting here talking about a 59-minute, 40-second football game, we are praising Tennessee's defense all week long, saying they did a much better job, they were much more uh, complete, they were much more d- disruptive, uh, but they didn't get the ball out a single time, um, didn't force a single turnover, and that's a problem. I, while I'm in fact-checking mode. Please, I, I please believe, go ahead. And this has nothing to do with the U.S. Most things do have to do with you, but... Uh. <laughs> so now you're calling me self-centered. That's number five. Uh, but I, I believe Prue, I can't remember when it was uh, this week, said that, that Chattanooga has actually led in each of their four, uh, their past four games against FBS teams. He got, he, he's three or four. He's close. Was there like an Alabama game or something where they just got killed? Uh, no, it was a South Carolina game where they did not score first, um, and they were down 28-3 at half. Um, however... When was that last year? That was last year. They lost forty nine to nine. So, um, so that gives you a good guide. I mean, South <sighs> South Carolina took care of them last year, and that was not a team with a great offense. Uh, two years ago, uh, they did go down and kick a field goal on their first drive against LSU, and then lost forty five to ten. Um, but that field goal made the season highlight DVD. It probably did. And uh, a couple years ago, I don't. What year was this? I did. I did tell Ramey uh, on. on Wednesday that I think Tennessee's. There's a chance that that if the season goes poorly enough. This season's Tennessee football highlight Blu-ray DVD YouTube video will be a bunch of Jawan Jennings catches and then Jeremy Banks obliterating the guy trying to down a punt. <laughs> that might be Tennessee's highlight package uh, to this point, and maybe a couple Eric Gray spin moves in and, there. And and Banks Banks just about knocked over a South team guy in practice on Wednesday. That's just kind of how he is. Uh, and and Chattanooga did lead Alabama after a quarter back in 2016. I there guess Prue was there. There you go. Um, now he probably remembers that. Uh, he probably does remember that Alabama does. won thirty one to three. Pruitt is close with a couple of guys on that on that staff at Chattanooga too. He knows them pretty well. And uh, I don't know about the fourth one. Let me check that one out. While, that you, a- while you're fact checking, I'll mention a couple of quick injury notes here. Uh, Pruitt has said before he's been talking about Tennessee having two scholarship running backs. When the fact is, we've also seen Carlin Fields and me out there at practice. Uh, the senior, the 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 speed merchant, or the merchant of pace, as they might call him across the pond. Uh, he's a guy who. Uh, is back at practice, but he missed so much time over the offseason that Pruitt says he's probably still a week away from getting back in the game. They've given him some touches with the ones and twos uh, in 11-on-11 situations in practice, but uh, he made a good point when he said if you're a running back and, and you're a guy who doesn't do, you know, you don't get hit much for a few months there, that's that's dangerous because you, you get hit a couple times and, and you might you might get that ball out when you when you normally wouldn't do that. So, uh, maybe if they get a big enough lead, maybe he can get out there and get some reps. But um, I think he's a guy who's probably a week away. Uh, we'll see. And, and also, it looks to me like Tim Jordan will be okay to go. He's been doing a little bit more in practice. I thought on Wednesday he was doing more during practice than Dominic Wood Anderson was. So he, he's a guy who looks to me like like if they need the hamster back, I think they can get him a little bit. Yeah, going back to 2015, Ted Nuga took a 3-0 lead on Florida State, lost 52-13. So 
Uh, and, and in and, none of those games did they score more than 13 points. So their game plan is really good to start games. <laughs> yes, the scripted plays. And, and then as soon as the the, the, the athleticism becomes yes. a factor, it changes. Yes. Um, and yeah, and so, uh, and, and Chattanooga's new coach, Rusty Wright, will, will be, he will have been excited. Great football name. One of the better yes. football names out there. Uh, he will have been excited to uh, to see Georgia State win because he was there last year. He was on their staff. He was, a, uh, I believe, a linebacker's coach. Um, but he, he, he did play at Chattanooga. I think he, he might have played with Terrell Owens. You might want to fact check me on that, but no, because um, I don't want to sit here and I don't. I don't want my entire <laughs> podcast performance to be one where I criticize my coworkers. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, you mentioned they got some. You know, this, you know these FCS teams have a lot of FBS transfers. Chattanooga's quarterback is one. Nick Tiano started his career yep. at Mississippi State. They got a few guys on the offensive line. That, it's a Chattanooga native uh, that started their uh, careers um, in the SEC uh, on their offensive line. So I mean, and and Chattanooga's, you know, they've put some guys in the NFL in recent years. A lot of those guys have been defensive linemen, but you know they. You, you occasionally back. run across these teams that um, that have mo- maybe one or two NFL caliber kind of prospect kind of players. Um, yeah, the one of the. But that doesn't mean that they should, you know, they should be hanging with you through, you know, through three quarters. Or it should be a close game. I mean, uh, Tennessee really, you know, they've had some issues with the UTEPs and the Charlottes of the world, but uh, their FCS games have not really been competitive. I don't, I can't remember one that was even really all that close in the past decade. So. Uh, I would think that would continue, but again, uh, you know, if you're jaded by the Georgia State game, I can't say that I blame you at this point. Now, I cut, one of the Chattanooga teams I covered had a five and six record, but still had two NFL players on that team. One was uh, was an NFL running back, Eldra Buckley, was a guy who played there and had a big season uh, for Chattanooga, and they still had a losing record. So, so those teams usually have a couple of guys, uh, and I think this is worth mentioning too before we wrap up on on Chattanooga here. I, I think it's fair to say that. There's motivation in these kinds of games anytime that y- you have a guy who uh, is an FCS guy playing against an FBS team. That's a, you know, they, they think, you know, it's kind of personal for them that this is a chance to go play against guys that, um, you know, that were recruited bigger than they were. You know, there'll be more scouts looking at there. They want to prove themselves. They get pretty amped up to play these games. But particularly this game right here, Chattanooga and Tennessee, uh, for those who aren't familiar, who haven't spent much time living in Chattanooga, you have to imagine that in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the University of Tennessee is the main sports story most of the time. Uh, the only one that I think is probably more is the Braves, I, I would say, throughout the year. Um, but other than that... Chopped on stop, Wes. Yeah, and they're... Magic number's nine. I mentioned the Braves before you did in this podcast. Take that, Pat. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, but I do think that, that these Chattanooga guys, a lot of them are from the Chattanooga area. A lot of them are from... Uh, some of them even are from the Knoxville area, and a bunch of them are from North Georgia where there's still a huge Tennessee fan base there. So these guys are college football players who have to hear about the bigger, the big orange brother every single day throughout the year. So this is a game that they very much will take personally. This is a game that they very much will want to scheme up right. This is one where I wouldn't be surprised in the first quarter if they're a little chippy because they want to get out there and make some plays. Uh, a couple of them will be playing in front of a bunch of friends and family, some of their Knoxville area kids. So th- this is a game where they're going to want to show out. So if you're Tennessee, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a pretty decent game for about a quarter at least, maybe before Tennessee starts taking over. Um but I, I don't think Tennessee can just walk in there and assume they're going to win this game 50-3 to, to three because of what we've seen before. No, they, they definitely can't. And, and again, I, I think Tennessee's players, if they haven't gotten that message by now, that they can't just roll the ball out there and, and win these games handily. Beat uh, anybody. Yeah, if they, if they haven't gotten that message after Georgia State, I don't know if they'll ever get it. So I, I think you'll have, if you're Tennessee, you know, you're expecting your players to be ready for this game because there's no reason for them not to be at 0-2, 
And this is this is the game you absolutely have to win. Um, so you've you've got to go out there and take care of business. But yeah, th- there's some incentive to take care of this game because this might be your last chance for a while if you can take care of business. Kind of the same as what we said against Georgia State. This is your last chance for the foreseeable future, probably, to get some guys in, test your depth a little bit, see if there's anyone else who hasn't been playing, maybe who can help you as you get into SEC play because the schedule gets a lot harder starting next week, obviously, with a trip to Florida that uh, a game that Tennessee hasn't hasn't won on the road in 16 years. Got a couple more news and notes here to get to before we go to break. I mentioned this earlier. I started talking about some of the injury situations for Tennessee. Uh, I think Pruitt has been a little bit evasive about whether Daniel Batuli is going to play in this game. Um, at this point, I, you know, I think you would like to get him reps before Florida if you could, but I don't think they're going to rush him back. And, and Pruitt did say last week that he thought Batuli was a, maybe one week away. Uh, I, I still think watching him run around, he's doing a little more, but I, I don't know. As of Wednesday, Pruitt's being evasive, and I understand why. So we'll see if Batuli's able to go in this game. Uh, my belief is that you would like him to play a little bit, but if he can't, don't rush it, don't force it, because you know you're going to need him in the swamp because I, that's that's interesting. And one more note before we, I step away here and, and ask Ryan about some, some recruiting news. I thought one thing that was interesting uh, was speaking with Theo Jackson earlier this week and asking him about some lessons Tennessee's defense has learned uh, throughout the first two weeks of the season. And he said one really good point that I did not think about until he said it, and then a light bulb kind of came on. He said that a lot of the new guys on Tennessee's defense are are trying to learn that they're going to have to use more hand signals when they're trying to get lined up because he thinks – and he know, he said, and this is, this is his opinion, that some of Tennessee's alignment issues are from the guys aren't able to communicate with each other because – the chrome crowd at Nealon is so loud when Tennessee's on defense that, you know, you don't think about that, but the Tennessee's defense at home usually has to rely on more hand signals. And when you don't have a guy like Batuli out there and you got some young guys out there, no matter how well you coach them, they kind of get deer in the headlights in that moment. And they're trying to yell things to each other and they can't hear. And so they need, he said they needed to sharpen up their, their hand signals and they did that against BYU and that helped them get better. So I do think that is one really interesting note. Uh, about the defense. So what you're saying is that Florida fans should be like super loud when Florida's offense is on the field in that game so that Tennessee's defense gets confused. That's what you're saying. Basically. Strategery. Strategery. That's one of the interesting things we've always discussed uh, about about playing on the road. Sometimes Tennessee plays better on the road and defensive players often will come to that, 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 hey, we can communicate better on the road than we can at home. So it does make things easier for a defense. So, yeah, if you have young guys out there, that can certainly throw a wrench into things. I mean, they've had Will Ignon out there at inside linebacker to help out. He's a veteran that you would hope has helped with some of those issues. He, but pl- he played pretty well in that BYU game until his legs just fell apart in the second half. He, he When he was out there, I think he played okay. Now, toward the stretch, down the stretch, he made a couple of mistakes and he just got run over a little bit. But I thought he was better in the second game than he was in the first game. Um, so, so you, you've had some veterans out there. Pat, those, Pat, do you want to correct me? You're already shaking your head. No, I'm, I have nothing to add. Okay. <laughs> but, but I thought – Still at five. Um, I, I, I thought, though, that – Taking my spots. <laughs> um, yeah, with some veterans out there, those guys have played at Neyland. They, they know the deal. I mean, Nigel Warrior's out there. You, you, you'd hope you've got enough experience, guys, that they can deal with that. But yeah, but who else, is, who else is experienced on this defense? I mean, Ignat's played some, but – yeah. Mean, but they're guys who know that they need. But he's not been the guy that that's been calling the shots out there. I mean, you look at this defense, and it's a lot of first and second year guys. Oh, yeah. Guys that, if they're beyond their first or second year, uh, they haven't played a whole lot. Guys like Schamberger, guys like Ignat, um, yeah, they don't have a whole lot of playing time under their belts. So, um, and 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 we're seeing that. I think we're seeing it. You know, an inconsistent defense that 
again, I think does have a lot of positives to take from uh, from what they did against BYU, but still plenty of areas that they need to, to get better at before they start facing some of these SEC offenses that will be thrown at them. Before we step away here for break, Ryan, we, we do need to, to, to toss it over to you a little bit to discuss recruiting because there was some recruiting news that popped up for Tennessee this week. Obviously not the kind of news that maybe you want to hear, but uh, that just seems to kind of be the way things are going for the Vols at the moment. Lovey Jenkins, the three-star cornerback from Ocoee, Florida, and that's cornerback, C-O-R-N-E-R. Uh, he's a guy who's ranked about 693 there, around the 700 range nationally in the in the 247 or 247 composite. Um, a guy who Tennessee's staff was high on when they took him, obviously, or they wouldn't have taken him. But he has taken his uh, commitment ball, and he has taken it to Louisville, Ryan. Yeah, that, that's somewhat surprising news. We weren't we weren't really uh, it, thinking that he was looking around quite to the extent that a flip was imminent. So that was uh, a little bit interesting, but made sense in a couple of ways. Obviously, first of all. You know, you, you wonder what he's – he hasn't been back to Tennessee in a while. He, he, he committed uh, during his first visit to Knoxville back in June. So you wonder, uh, you know, what, what he's thinking about Tennessee's season from a distance, if that's a concern at all. But, you know, maybe more importantly, Louisville continued to recruit him really hard. They were one of his favorites before he committed to Tennessee. Uh, so at, at one point they were, I think, the leader. So he, he clearly had liked Louisville for a while anyway. And he's got a teammate, uh, a wide receiver, who's, who's been committed to Louisville since June – so you wonder also, you know, how, how close that teammate is to him and, and how much of a factor that was. I think certainly they've clearly been talking about the idea of teaming up together at Louisville. So, uh, you know, probably a combination of factors there. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, a guy at Tennessee, I think, didn't necessarily want to lose right now. But uh, a, a guy who's not so not so highly ranked and elite that you could say he was, you know, anything close to irreplaceable. So I, I think he, he's a guy that Tennessee will, will now have to work to find someone to add at corner, but they were already still battling for some other guys. Uh, Kendall Dennis, Joel Williams, they've, they've been recruiting some other cornerbacks. You know, we'll, we'll see who they can get now because that's, that's a position where now three total defensive backs in this class, I think you probably do need to add another one to make up for that. And they, they might have added another one at some point anyway, but I think you at least want to sign four DBs pretty much every year, especially with this staff and still wanting to improve the secondary and, and the talent they have back there. So that's a it's a bit of a loss and obviously with the timing people are just going to think that's you know a sign that that the, the though, 0 2 start even though kids care about that a lot less than than yeah, people think they do they do i was going to say the timing will probably make some people think oh no the recruiting class is falling apart but i i think this will be an isolated incident i don't think there's anyone else right now anyway certainly uh that, that's on the verge of you know flipping or anything like that this this seems like an isolated deal and i think it has a lot more to do probably with how how Louisville was recruiting him and, and how he thought of Louisville than it did to, uh, even with Tennessee's losses. But that probably, you know, that, that could have at least contributed to it to some degree. And I do think we need to mention that Tennessee's freshmen, we, we did get to speak with a couple of them this week. We got to speak with uh, uh, the artist known as now known as Hank T is what I'm going to be calling him for a while. Henry Toa Toa. He, uh, Toa Toa. Toa Toa. See, that's what I'm, I'm just going. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not even saying it. I'm just, right. I'm just rolling with Hank T. When you uh, hear him he, say it, it's different. Yeah, he and he and Eric Gray were made available to reporters this week, and it's no surprise that they said this. They're freshmen. They have their whole college careers ahead of them, basically. But but they said that anyone who thought that they had, were were not still all in was crazy. Basically, that's what Eric Gray said. He said everyone in the building, especially the young guys, are together, and they came here for something special, and they still believe they're going to do that so if you're waiting for people to kind of 
as Pruitt might have said, some rats getting off the ship. I don't, I don't think you're going to see a ton of that. And if you do, I think it'll be maybe some older guys. Uh, but I think the younger guys are still all in this thing, and I, I think uh, Ryan would know better than I would, Grant would too. But I, I get the sense that with the prospects currently committed, I, I think most of them are still in the boat too. Yeah, and, and again, most of these guys are being sold on things that haven't really been affected by this 0-2 start. They're being sold on early playing time. They're being sold on being the solution to the problem. So, you know, people have been wondering about a guy like Harrison Bailey, the, the, the quarterback commitment. You know, he, he's looking at this situation, and he might be looking his chops even more seeing what Tennessee's doing right now because, A, he's if he wasn't fully convinced he's going to have a chance to come in and compete for the starting job at quarterback, I bet he's even more convinced now that, that he thinks he can come in and play, uh, even though he's the type of guy who I think probably thought that to begin with. And he'll be an early enrollee arriving in January, going through spring practice next year. So even though it's tough for true freshmen to play at quarterback anywhere, that, that's that's something he's got to be thinking. And then, yeah, every, he and all those guys in Tennessee's class probably think they're going to be the ones to turn things around at Tennessee. So, I mean, you always want to look at a situation and have some positive reinforcement, be further convinced that this staff is what you think it is and that Tennessee is moving in the direction that you think it is. But at 0-2, I don't think they've seen enough that, you know, guys are looking to bail right now and that this is going to greatly influence Tennessee's recruiting class. Now, again, you need to stop that ball from rolling further down the hill before it becomes more of an issue because if the losses pile up, it has the potential to affect recruiting more. But right now, two games into the year, it, it's too early for people to be worrying too, too much about that. We're going to take a take a quick break here, step away, pay some bills, do some of that stuff we need to do. We're going to come back and we're going to get to your questions uh, that y'all have submitted this week on GoVols. 247.com's checkerboard, uh, the the best website to cover Tennessee athletics, the best message board on Tennessee athletics. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get this to y'all because again, this is listener supported, and uh, we need to we need to give some love to the listeners. So we're gonna take a break, pay some bills, and do that. Hashtag. Ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Goval's 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever ads and services we just heard from a second ago. To the uh, questions. Wes Rucker and Ryan Callahan and, and uh, Pat Patrick Brown, or as uh, uh, he's being in this episode, Oscar Martinez, uh, basically, over here. Well, actually, well, Ryan, actually. That's a, Ryan, that's an office, office reference. You haven't watched that I, show. I'll, so. I'll get to it. All right. Oh, my God. Really, Ryan? You haven't watched Parks and Rec either, have you? No, there's so many shows, I just can't, you can't watch them all. But I will tell you before we take these questions that the the funniest thing on television right now, in my opinion, Letterkenny, it's on Hulu. They're not paying us a penny, but I'm telling you right now. Yeah, so someone told me about that the other day. I've been telling you about that for a month now. It wasn't Wes, but it was somebody somebody else. A month. I want to make that perfectly clear. And that person (laughs) was someone who I'd been telling for a month longer than that Uh to go Uh, watch I need to go fact check that. You might, statement. You're, you're, you can fact check it all you want, and you're, you're, you're going to come up empty-handed because I'm speaking truth on this. Back to the questions for this week. There are obviously a lot of them. This is Tennessee football, um, maybe not at its lowest, because remember, we made a pact a long, we made a pact two weeks ago. 
We're no longer using the phrase rock bottom. That no longer exists because we don't know what that rock bottom is. So, uh, but Tennessee at certainly one of its low moments. Uh, start off with a bit of a fun question here from MD Vol 91. Uh, who would win in a foot race between the four of y'all? I will go with Ramey probably. That would be my bet. Um, well, I would go with Patrick or Ramey. I haven't seen Patrick run in a while. I don't know. He's got the longer stride. Pat's not running stairs every Sunday. He's he's got the longer stride though. The question wasn't who's going to run stairs; it's yeah. who's going to win a race. Obviously, the foot race uh, length is depending how far the yeah. race is. Anything over probably uh, four hundred meters is probably not my uh, not my strong suit. Um, but yeah. I, I'm going to answer that question from MD Vol ninety one and say that it, it it's me. I'm fastest. I'm faster than all you clowns. I, I think can, we I, have a challenge. I can guarantee. <laughs> I can guarantee you one thing. Uh, and I'm not fast. I'm uh, saying I'm just faster than you three jokers. Like I, I've lost. Uh, I've lost about twenty pounds, but uh, still medically uh, cannot run. Like it's not possible that I, I will fall down if I try to run. Sometimes it's all I can do to walk. Uh, you'll never guess who has the second question this week. It's a uh, Blake digits. Blake digits. BD. As the question, will the Vols try to get Jared Garantano straightened out versus Chattanooga, or will they run the majority of the time like they did last week? Well, you inadvertently said the key. You said Garantano, and clearly it's Garantano, and I've heard people make the joke already. He needs to go back to Garantano. That's what I'm saying. He played better. Yep. Um, I... I don't know what, what what was exactly the question. How will will they will they try? Will they straight? Will, will their plan be to let kind of Garantano Garantano yeah. air it out against Chattanooga and get himself straightened out, get some confidence back, or will they just keep the ball on the ground like they did for most of last week? I think it'll be whatever they've got to do to win the game. I don't think they're going to go in thinking we we need to throw it a lot and get him right. I think they're going to say you know if we need to run it forty times and throw it twenty, we'll do that. And I I think. What you saw Saturday night, I'll be interested in seeing how much they stick to that. Part of that was sort of BYU-oriented. I think they felt there were some opportunities to run to the perimeter, but does that become Tennessee's MO sort of offensively? Are they going to struggle to run between the tackles all year but but also find some success running outside, and will they do they need to limit Garantano's throws? I think Tano, that, Tano, 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 Tano. I, I, yeah, see, we're all doing it. It's been too long. Um, I, I think they... I don't know. I, I think after the opener, that's one of the things you could conclude is that this team is better when Garantano is not throwing all that much. And that's maybe one of the ways you can sort of keep him doing what he needs to do is by not putting too much on his shoulders. Because when you start just flinging it all the time, maybe he, he's reverting to some bad habits. I don't know. But that's that's one thing that I think you wonder about is last year, a lot of games he finished with 25 throws, and, and he was more effective, I think, when you used him a little less. So I, I don't know. I'll be really interested in seeing that. I, I would guess, though, that they're going to do whatever they have to do to win this game, and that may that may still be leaning on the run a little bit more. Pat, your thoughts? I, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, I I, <laughs> I, I don't think you can go into a game saying, I, all right. I can't, I can't correct you if you don't, I don't offer I, thoughts. I don't think you can go into a game and say, okay, we're, we're going to get the quarterback right here. You, you're going right. to go into the game plan with some things that you – uh, expect to be successful based on what you've seen from the other team on defense. You, you're, you're going into uh, like each each defense is going to be different. Chattanooga might play more man than than BYU and Georgia State did. That'll present some different opportunities. Uh, you'll BYU played a lot of cover three. They played a three man front. Uh, you know, Chattanooga may not do that. So your game plan is going to vary week to week. So I don't know that you can um, go into a game saying we're we're going to focus really on getting you know we're going to focus on getting the guy right or right. Hypothetically, you get a big lead and then you run the ball the majority of the time. Anyway, yeah. Um, and so, but at the same time, if you're if you're Tennessee and you get a big lead, you need to get your one of your backup quarterbacks in there and get them some mm-hmm. some looks. And you don't want them just handing the ball off because you know even if you get into SEC play, they're still one play away 
from from being the guy. So uh, I, I think you go into a game like this and every game with the game plan that you think is going to work, and then you you try to execute it and you try to call the plays that, that are going to give you the most yards and most points. And I'll say this too. I, I th- you, you make the point about Garantano needing some confidence. I think you can make that argument for everyone on this team. You, this offensive line needs to be more confident in its ability to push people around and run the ball up the middle. Um, they, they clearly didn't feel confident enough to run even a quarterback sneak in short yard situations last week against BYU. So you could argue they need to work on the run game for that reason. They need to work on everything defensively. You know, that there's plenty plenty of areas of this team that need some confidence besides Garantano, but obviously that's a big one because they, they do need to get him right. Question from Haynes62, H-Y-N-E-S, Haynes, not H-A-N-E-S like the underwears, just H-A-Y-N-E-S, 62. What is the average age of Chattanooga's offensive line? I can give you that answer right now. Uh, actually, pretty good size. Now, with the caveat. Age, with the age ca- not, not Size weight. and age, I'm going, I'm going both. Uh, this <laughs> he is, didn't ask for the size. Well, you 325 pounds as a senior is a little different than 325 pounds as a freshman. If you've ever covered college football over there, jerk. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Chattanooga's offensive line, with the caveat that if, you know, these are accurate, because some people are really accurate with their depth chart stuff and some are not, uh, they've got right tackle Harrison Moon is a six Mississippi State transfer. Six foot five, 290 pound senior transfer from Mississippi State. Uh, right guard uh, is uh, Curtis McClendon. Who is a big boy, six foot eight, three hundred and twenty-five pounds. Uh, he's played every game uh, since he was a freshman at Chattanooga. He, he's a big dude there. Center, pretty decent sized. Uh, got uh, Kyle Miskelly at six foot one, three hundred pounds. Uh, he is a junior, transferred from a small college in North Dakota, but he's a junior who's six one, three hundred. The left guard uh, is Cole Strange from Farragut High School, right down the road here in Knox County. He is a six foot five, two hundred and ninety pound junior. He was a freshman All American. Yes, he was. And uh, was second team all SoCon uh, last season. Also, uh, he he's uh, he's been a been a good player for the Mox. And the left tackle is uh, another big old boy, Malcolm White from Johnson City, Tennessee, uh, of uh, wagon wheel fame, I should say. The best of the Tri Cities, it must be said. Now you, you have reasons that you need to say that because certain <laughs> listeners who don't like me, who who really like you, and are from there. Uh, left tackle Malcolm White, six foot seven, three hundred and fifteen pound left tackle. He's a junior. Another. He's that big old boy there, uh, and they've got they got a couple more 300-pounders there that are on the second-team O-line. So Pruitt has said throughout the week there are some big men on that Chattanooga O-line, and they've got some pretty decent players there to protect a 6'5", 240-pound oh, quarterback. The quarterback's Nixiano. pretty big, too. Yeah, he's a big old boy. Now, their backup the quarterback is 5'11", 205, so he, a little bit of difference there. Uh, those guys probably are not wearing the same size uniforms. Uh, a couple questions from Polly Rules here, P-O-L-I-R-U-L-E-S. I've always guessed it's Polly Rules. Uh, he's got a couple two part. He's got a two parter here. What would it take offensively in this game for Garantano to silence his critics? And if Tennessee takes a large lead into the half, do you think they'll continue to try to build Garantano's confidence, or will they see what they have in the backups? Uh, Garantano, Garantano needs to play this game with no interceptions. First thing he needs to do. Don't, don't even have any near interceptions. Don't even have any that are almost caught or dropped. Don't have one that's nullified by a pass interference penalty. Clean football. Yes, just he needs to be like 10 to 12 for 200 yards and a couple touchdowns with no no drama. That's that's he does we don't need to see him coming off the sideline, coming off the sideline of Jeremy Pruitt getting in his face like like what happened a couple times in the BYU game. That's what I don't know if that'll silence his critics. Yeah, cuz But we, that's what he needs. We've talked a lot about him His missing, critics aren't going anywhere. We've talked a lot about him missing uh Jawan Jennings on that that kind of post that 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 they had run throughout the game to get some big plays in that one time randomly Garantano didn't see him. Um, but I think what's been lost in that is uh, just one or two snaps after that, he missed Josh Palmer, 
who was about a billion yards away from anyone in the secondary, uh, would have been a walk-in touchdown. Uh, and and he, that's when he threw the ball to, um, I believe, to Chandler on the sideline, the incomplete pass or, or the very short gain. He had Palmer wide open there, and Pruitt just absolutely – we could see Cheney to our right get furious, and Pruitt on the sideline went ballistic. As soon as the, the play was dead, he got right in Garantano's face and was yelling at him. So you need to be able to take what's obvious and, and, and take care of the football. Uh, for the second half, I think they would like to get those freshmen uh, some reps, but – my belief is still you play both or you don't play either. That's how I would handle it. So, I don't think you can do that, though. If you only have a chance to get one in the game, that's still better than nothing, right? Well, I guess he's saying if it's a blowout by halftime. Yeah, but I'm just saying if you get if you get one in there for the last two drives of the game or last drive of the game, is that not enough to justify playing one? I think I think you still have to. Yeah, but then you're 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 letting it be pretty much known who is and who is Some, not. The, somebody's got to go in the game first anyway, though, and everyone's going to assume that's the number two, even if it's not. So. And again, Pruitt said that that that, that Maurer, despite running onto the field uh, when Garantano had had his shoe so rudely thrown across the field by a BYU defensive end in one of the the top five moments probably uh, of the past few years for Tennessee football, uh, he said that Maurer just did that on his own. So. That's yeah. that's perhaps not. We've we've seen Maurer being second in line in some drills lately, though. That has made me wonder. if Astro was second on Wednesday, so they're still they're still they're still throwing us off yeah. trying. But yeah. I I I still think if they had a long term absence from Garantano, both would play. But I think Maurer would be the favorite to to take that job. But yeah, I think you got to get both in the game if you can. But to the to the first question though, what would it take offensively for Garantano to silence the critics? Nothing. Nothing in this game would do it. I don't think. I mean, no. even if he has the type of game Patrick's describing, ten of twelve, two hundred yards, sharp. I said that it wouldn't silence the critics. I said yeah. that's what he needed. Yeah, it, it is what he needs. But nothing's going to convince people in this game that he, he's right. He, oh, he needs well, that, that to re- he needs that to restore himself. Did Mister Well actually just get Well actually in yes, return by the King of Well actually? So <laughs> that's over true. Here. Well, uh, Ryan, he, Ryan wasn't going to take that that status. He wasn't going to have that crown <laughs> taken from him without hey, a fight. Hey, hey. I was just making a point, he, answering a question. He needs that for himself, for his own confidence, yes. and for potentially his coach's confidence in him. That's very true. Head coach and offensive coordinator, because I think late in that game against BYU, Chaney was like, I don't trust this guy. But I'll say this, to start to silence the critics, the thing he can do the most is show he's making good decisions, and maybe the most impressive thing, for the people who are really analyzing what he's doing. He's, he's going to have to win at Florida. If he, he is, I agree. Let's I, just get to the I, chase. I agree, but the small thing he could do in this game Or is, lose a 50-49 to 49 game, one the, of the two things. Nope. The small thing he could do in this game that could start to convince people he's on the right track is not miss any open receivers, and to actually appear to be going through progressions on the field. I think too often you see Garantano not doing that, and people want to see that. Question from Allval96. Uh, do you have any idea what kind of football team we'll see on Saturday after the last two weeks? I'm assuming no. Here's what I can tell you, Allval96. Uh, one team will be wearing orange and white Nike uniforms. The other will be wearing white and uh, navy and gold Adidas uniforms. Uh, I think the team in orange will win, um, but beyond that, I, I don't know. I think they'll be. De- I think defensively they will continue to be aggressive because that's what Pruitt said they need to do with yep. this young group is take some chances. Understand there's going to be some mistakes, but hey, make them go 100 miles an hour. I suppose sit back on their heels. So that's what I would look for defensively. Offensively, uh, I, I think they'll. I think they'll be able to put up some points. I think I, it's. I, th- I would rather them at this point 
even if you have to show things on film for other for opponents to see, I think you need to play full speed with the kind of defense you're going to play because you need to get that experience. And so that's it, what I would say right now. And this team needs some confidence in general. And if that takes, yeah, showing more than you intend to in the, in a game like this, ideally, then then do it. This team could use a 49 to 10 kind of game. The next question, I do want to mention it, even though we've already answered it, uh, so we won't have to answer it again. But Gaines VFL 89 had a good question. How big of a loss Gaffney. is it? Read Gaffney. it right. Gaffney. Gaff, Gaff, what did I say? You Gaines. said Gaines. Oh, because uh, I said Haynes earlier. Gaffney VFL no, eighty nine. How that's number six. How big of a loss is Lovey Jenkins, and what are some who are some of the cornerbacks? The Vols are recruiting to replace him. We've discussed that, so we don't have to do that one anymore. Uh, but if you are just now tuning in, go back and listen to that earlier. Uh, and if you're just li- if you're listening to the third segment first, I don't I don't know what's going on with you. Well, you okay. need to you you got some things going. On. That, that that'd be like uh, hitting the baseball and running to third base first. Don't do that. Th- just to reiterate, though, Kendall Dennis, Joel Williams, a couple names to watch, but could be others. I think they'll maybe hand out some more offers there. We'll no, see. Another question from Haynes sixty two: South Carolina, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri. If you had to pick three of those five games Tennessee is most likely to win, which ones would they be? Uh, Vanderbilt, because I don't think Vandy's very good. They've lost to Purdue and Georgia. I think they have big question marks on at the quarterback position on offense. Uh, I will go Kentucky next because I have no idea how good Terry Wilson's backup is. He's a grad transfer from Troy. I think his name is Sawyer Smith. They did get yeah. a big linebacker um, eligible to play this week. Yeah, but he's not going to play quarterback, and they just lost <laughs> their quarterback. So um, Number seven? <laughs> Uh, and then I'll probably throw South Carolina in there because that game is always close, to, and there's also the quarterback injury factor there. Although Ryan Holinsky could be pretty good. He lit up Charleston Southern. Uh, Godspeed to him this week as he plays Alabama. Uh, he probably won't – he's probably not as good as he showed last week, and he probably isn't as bad as probably Alabama will make him look. Correct. Um, but that game, like I said, it's always close, so that game could go either way. Uh, I still think Mississippi State's pretty good, especially if Tommy Stevens is not hurt. Uh, for a very long time, watched a little bit of their game against Southern Miss, and they were RPOing Southern Miss to death, and they can run the ball. So that don't like that combination for Tennessee, and I still think Missouri is arguably the second best roster in the East. Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put them in in order here of of, of most likely to win. Uh, I'm going to go Vandy one. Man, Ken- no Vandy respect. Vandy one, Kentucky two, uh, South Carolina. Three, Basically, you're copying my Mississippi answer. State four, Missouri five. Pa- Patrick got the right three, I think, but I would I think Kentucky is the one that they're most likely to win. I just I just think that series has been more one-sided for Tennessee. They showed last year they're better than them in a lot of ways, even though Kentucky is Contrarian Callahan so I think, again. I think Kentucky's most winnable. Vanderbilt, until further notice, you've lost three straight to them. I mean, just, I just want to see it before I am going to believe that. And then three, South Carolina. Question from Volfan Jeff. Uh, if, and this is a big if, uh, Jared Garantano rides the ship to a degree and plays more like everyone expected him to, what chance do you give the Vols at bowl eligibility? I would say if Garantano plays better five and seven is most likely the scenario uh i'm gonna call that optimistic i I, i'm not optimistic that they will be in a bowl even if he starts playing better Um, just because i think they've dug themselves too big a hole i don't don't they're gonna have to win four sec games i don't think the ship has sailed but it's 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 it it, the sails are up i don't know that i i don't think that they can i don't think that they can go four and four in the sec agreed and think of it this way if you're saying tennessee still can make a bowl game what you're saying is Tennessee would have been good enough to be an eight-win team going into the season because any anyone projecting eight wins had to include Georgia State and BYU as those two of those games. And there's no way I don't think Tennessee can rebound. And they'll that they'll kind be of favored game. to win in three more games probably. Yeah. They'll fall, they'll probably be favored to beat Vanderbilt and they'll they're obviously favored to beat Chattanooga and they'll be favored to beat UAB who will probably be going in to that game seven and one six and zero. Oh. So they'll have a really good record because their schedule is backloaded, but. Uh, and they're coming off an open date too, so that that's gonna that's gonna fall into a Georgia State kind of trap yeah. game yeah. kind of thing. The, Where's Grant to say trap game? I'll I'll, I'll say that we need the, him here. The, the the ship 
is not sailed so far that you that, that you can't see it, but it's pretty far back there on the horizon now. It's you're you're gonna have to strain your eyes to see I, it. That's how far it's sailed away. I, I'll say this: they're they're to the point now, and fans probably need to start thinking this way. The way are four and eight, matching the worst record in school history, is not a not a crazy unrealistic scenario but it's almost optimistic because you're still expecting them to win two sec games at this point so i think that's fair i, I think that's kind of where we are and five and seven would be actually a pretty strong finish question from p biz or we, did you have something pat nope question from p bizzle 23 in regards to bryce thompson when does it become a problem in our society when we punish people based on accusations before anything is ever proven legally has this become an epidemic in organized sports on a micro level that's a fair question it's a tough question but i'll give a try to give an answer to it first i think where things are now uh, in this era that that we're in i think that it's unfortunate, but that you have to err on the side of sitting a guy out while you're looking into it. Because if it comes out that anything was true and you just were kind of like, if you go the Jameis Winston way of keeping him out there during an investigation, I don't think you can do that anymore. So whether you agree with that or not, that's up to you. That's a personal decision that you have to make. I'm not going to judge you one way or the other, but I will say that I think that the, the lesser of the two evils there is playing it safe and sidelining someone from at least playing in games while there's an investigation. I, yeah, we could have a whole podcast probably on this topic, but I I think in general, sports fans think athletes get wrongly accused. People who aren't sports fans think athletes are usually rightfully accused, and that's kind of it's as simple as that. But the reality is usually somewhere in the middle, and I don't I don't I don't think it's an epidemic for sports any more than it is in business and everything else. If I mean, a matter is serious enough for for police. Yes. Th- to not even dismiss it. If police are having to seriously look into the matter, mm-hmm. I don't think you can play. Now, if the police say immediately, you can't press charges here, you have nothing, then that whatever, you just go on and play. And in any walk of life, you know, if you work in a in a successful business elsewhere or whatever, if you were charged with a crime, it, it might affect your job status or, or how they're handling you at work. So it's no different in sports. It's just obviously gets more attention. I don't disagree with the need to err on the side of caution with a suspension if guy gets arrested or whatever. But I do think society, there is a, it's unfortunate that there's been this rush to judgment when not the whole picture has been out there. I think a lot of people assume that what's in a, a lawsuit, for example, or uh, in police documents is, is fact when it's right. Most of the time it's one side of a Very particular incident. And so I think people rush to judge that in all walks of, of, uh, of society. And I think that's, you always hear from the the the, the, the innocent till proven guilty. I, I think that has been kind of just tossed out. And you almost always hear from the plaintiff to your point before the defendant. So the, yeah. the defendant usually is 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 it's smart for the defense usually to save that stuff until trial or or need be. So a uh, question from uh, B G O Snell one five one said, "What's the biggest thing Garantano has done well this season?" Throw the ball to Jawan Jennings. Yeah, his throws to, to when he's thrown the ball on time to Jawan, things have worked out pretty well. But other than that, when you break down his film, I don't think that you see anything he's doing can better consistently this season than he did last season. I'm not. I'm not no. saying it. 
He still made some good throws in tight windows at times. That throw to get uh, to Jennings in overtime Saturday was a pretty good one. So better even, catch than better, throw, but yeah, but better catch. Still. But yeah, he's made some decent throws, but not seeing the field very well. Another question from P. Bizzle twenty three: If Harrison Bailey isn't who this staff and fan base thinks he is, how much does it set back this football program? If he's the only one in the class, it would set him back well, a decent no, bit. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna counterpoint you here. Oh, uh, because eight. there's this thing called the portal, and you can just go get a grad transfer and. Yeah. And this is to getting totally hypothetical. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but if you're in a situation where you don't, your Jared Garantano is not going to be your quarterback in 2020, and you have a situation where you've got uh, a, a redshirt sophomore with limited experience, a freshman or redshirt freshman, depending on what happens with Brian Maurer, with limited experience, and a new guy in Harris Bailey coming in, I think you could you could you could entice somebody in the portal who would have some experience and some and some ability, uh, and I think that's a situation. That's that's I mean. Look at a lot of places that have taken transfer quarterbacks and plugged them right in. So uh, I don't yeah, know that I, mean, I don't know M- that it's M- Minshew at Washington State was a pretty good example. I don't of that. I don't know that that Harrison Bailey. It's I don't know that it's necessarily Harrison Bailey or a bust at quarterback for Tennessee. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's it's and not, that, now that would be maybe a stopgap for a year, but yeah. maybe that's all you need to to for a guy. You know, maybe you have a guy for a year that plays really well for you, and then. And you can plug in a Harrison Bailey who's had a year to get ready and get bigger and do you know all these things that you need to do. But uh, I, don't, I don't know that that it's Bailey or bust given that right. the transfer market and the transfer portal is the way that it is. Here's, here, oh, go ahead. Ron. I was going to say, I'll, I'll, to, to P. Bizzle's question, I, I don't know that we know for sure what this staff thinks of Harrison Bailey because, remember, they were going after Haynes King really aggressively for months uh, until he picked Texas A&M. So I think they were doing what you have to do at quarterback, which is give yourself as many options as possible because it's one of the hardest positions to evaluate in sports. Um, I've, I've begun to truly believe that over the years. Even the really good ones that you think are going to be really good just have the tools to be really good, and because it's all about the, how much better they get once the they get to college. The speed of the game, the speed of the game is so much different. Well, that, it's it's so much about the it's mental hard, side. It's hard to judge. It's about the mental side of the game because again, Garantano, his decision, which, which making, also is speed of the game. Yeah, no, it is. I'm just saying, but but it's about it's not just because guys are th- running faster or whatever. It, it's because you have to project things that you can't evaluate in high school almost you have to figure out how guys can read and react to things in college and and dissect defenses and things they never have to do when they're the best player on the field so fine anyway yeah they'll be fine because they can still get one in the 2021 class garantano's a senior next year so that's still a good thing to sell and as patrick said transfer portal is always out there final question of this week again comes from bgo snow 151 said are there any wide receivers from usc portaling that are an option for Tennessee? Uh, this seems like a very specific if question. It is an oddly specific question. Angled, maybe because of T. Martin, I guess. Angled at one player that we know is is out there. Uh, Devin or Devon Williams is in the transfer portal. We know um, that was reported earlier uh, that, that he is, you know, he was a highly ranked player in the 2018 class and was in the two deep at USC but didn't play a whole lot to start the season. I mean, I, I've, on transfers, you don't often hear many specifics until so it becomes obvious that a player's involved with the team. I haven't heard any reason to think Tennessee's looking at him, but hey, you can't rule out anything. If, I mean, we, we heard you know Tennessee was involved with with Velas Jones Jr., the guy that looked into transferring from USC and then ended up staying there. That's the other side of this too, is you don't know for sure that he's leaving just because he's in the portal. We've seen that with Karat Garland, other players that look into their options end up deciding to stay. So who's to know, who's to know what's going to come of this? But I'm sure Tennessee might kick the tires because that's a big need, obviously. If we had a dollar for every time we got asked about one of these USC yes. receivers in the portal, we'd have, I'd say, probably 5 or $6. Right. Yeah. And just, there's been a lot of them. And, and the, the assumption, and I'm not saying it's an unwise one, I mean, it's, I mean, T. Martin probably recruited 
all or most of those guys to USC. He was but, the recruiter for for Devin Williams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. So it's I'm not saying it's a I'm not saying it's not a legitimate question, but uh, and really we've got anybody because, anybody because, that because, transfers. He's only going to correct me. He's not going to correct any of you. Any, correct. Uh, and, and any I mean anytime anybody transfers. You know, Tennessee's been aggressive on the transfer market, so we're going to get asked about it. Um, you know, they went out and got Aubrey Solomon. They went out and got D'Angelo Gibbs, who's uh, obviously a factor for for next season. So, uh, a couple guys last year. Too, yeah, yeah, you know, they went and got three their first year. They were grad transfers. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you're you're you know anybody that that comes from a program like USC or was a big time recruit, they'll kick the tires on. I mean, they've done it with a lot of guys uh, behind the scenes, and but. One downside with Williams. Kicking the, kicking the tires, though, is a lot different than right. getting them on campus and you know trying to get them and, to play for you. And, and USC is not exactly a loaded program right now, and the bottom line is that's the guy who's not getting on the field much there. So that's, I mean, you you got to figure out how much can he really help you if that's the case. But, but yeah, talented prospect, and clearly someone someone's going to be interested in him, and we'll see if Tennessee gets involved. But I will say the downside there is it's a California kid at USC. Is he going to want to go across the country? Just because of T. Martin to, to hey, play that far from home, Hank sometimes T did. Hank T did. Hey, so, yeah, sometimes it will happen, but I'm just that's not always the right situation. There might be other options closer to home that give him give him what he's looking for. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, playing time forever. If you, UCLA, I think if you can walk and chew gum right now, you can get on the get a spot <laughs> over there. Man, they're struggling there. Of course, like Tennessee can talk, but still, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, it's we didn't, always we didn't been. tune in. No, for people listening right I know, now. I'm just thanks, messing to them, with you. thanks to them for tuning in. I'm just messing with you. Yes, thank you guys very much for listening. Seems to be the theme for this episode, friend of me. My great friend of me over there. And we're even wearing we're both wearing the, the same kind of hat today too. We were, we were getting too chummy and so I determined that <laughs> things needed to change. <laughs> and now we're not even gonna refer to each other by by for on a name basis for a while. It's just gonna be hey guy, whatever your name is. Ron hey, Swanson. Les. Yeah, there you go. Hey, should we should we should we quote Parks and Rec right now, just okay. just to, just to make Ryan feel left out? The 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 uh, when the, Ron when Ron Swanson yeah, says that I'm saying, the best when friend. he gets too chummy with people, he likes to call them by the wrong name just yeah. to make a point. He's the guy who never talked to. He's the best friend he ever had. Thanks for tuning in, though, guys. As always, you can find us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24/7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P Brown, 24/7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24/7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, uh, who is again worth mentioning not a team player is just grant ramey on twitter you can also find us at twitter.com slash go 24 7 or facebook.com slash go 24 7 the one thing actually there's two things ramey does well in this world uh he, he he is good at organizing trips and driving the car uh and he's also um pretty good at facebook facebook.com slash go 24 7 or you can go drink drink your water straight from the hose go 247com the best website covering tennessee athletics on all of al gore's magisterial internets uh, right now we got 30 percent off of an annual deal right now and uh tons of stuff tennessee football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting baseball uh, a little bit of baseball recruiting here and there Got Lady Balls coverage from Maria Cornelius all the time, covering Lady Balls basketball and softball especially. So tons of stuff at GoBalls247.com, and no reason for you not to go check it out. And if you don't, that says more about you than it does us. Pat, any final thoughts? No.